You're listening to Bite Size Beauty, a podcast by Adore Beauty that breaks down the topics you want to hear more about into easy to listen to bite sized series. From sex to skin, we can guarantee there's something for everyone. So go on, sink your teeth into it. I'm Kerry Stanley. And I'm Kate Radford. And welcome to Timeless, a podcast made by us, two hair and makeup artists on the fabulous side of 50 with almost 30 years experience each in the business. We're here to have open and honest conversations about ageing and what it looks like to us in our world and in our profession. Hey, Kerry, so great to hear your lovely voice. Hello, my darling. How are you? I am fabulous. And I'm still on a high after listening to uh, and talking with Dr. Catherine. But who are we going to be talking to today? Uh, we are going to be chatting with a fabulous friend of mine, Matthew Clements, or Matt Clements, as we know him by. He is a four-time Australian colourist of the year, dead set legend, amazing craftsmanship. He has toured around the globe educating hairdressers. But today he's going to educate us and our listeners all about what happens to our hair as we age. What's happened to your hair as you've aged? Oh, well, it's something that um, I guess most people only think about going grey at a particular time in their lives. But there's not ever really been any discussion for me around hair texture changing or hair thinning or, you know, yeah, like losing hair, growing it in places that you don't want it, <laughs> losing it in places where you do want it um, and all of those sorts of things. But um, how about you, Kerry? Have you found that ageing process specifically related to your hair? Have you found that confronting? No, it hasn't for me because being a hairdresser or I've been a, a session stylist for a long time, but coming from the hair world, I was always a chameleon anyhow with my hair. So Going grey, which I have done, and I'm almost, I would say, maybe 70% grey. But when you see me, as you know, I'm not grey, I'm pink. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the colour that I've embraced. It's fabulous. (laughs) Thank you, as I've gotten a little bit older. But the grey, no, it wasn't to me, it wasn't a big concern because I was so used to flipping things around. Making changes all the time. Yes, I did go from my hair was always dark, but as I did get grey, and I'm sure many of our listeners would relate to this, the, when that regrowth comes through and the recolouring of it, it's far more noticeable when you're darker. So I did go blonde, or was actually a shade of apricot, really, yeah. um, meant about probably eight years ago, and I've never gone dark since. So I've had varying shades mm. of, of paleness and then embraced my kind of, I found my yes. sense of style, really, which is, is pink, the pink hair, the pink glasses, the all of that, and um, and that's who I am now. But it has gotten thinner. Oh my goodness! Yes, the texture has changed, or maybe the the, the amount of it has changed. Yeah, but also that could be due to maybe a little bit of breakage from mm-hmm. home chemicals um, and colouring. <laughs> yes, yes, lots of things. <laughs> well, I guess I found my first grey hair the day after I turned thirty. Actually, my mum was a redhead, and she had really beautiful thick auburn hair that had only just started to go grey at the temples. And her sister was is in her late 80s now, my lovely Auntie Helen. She's 
still blonde. Uh, and so I've always had that fair kind of colouring. Finding a grey hair on my head was like, oh, okay, wow, 30, that's pretty young. But anyway, I used to, I, I similarly to you and with my years of hair modelling, I've had just about every colour on the chart and I've gone from bleached white, full scalp bleach blonde to, through to, you know, a number four number three, number two on the chart as far as like a brunette kind of colour goes. But it wasn't until sitting in the chair probably after my 40th birthday and my hairdresser saying, okay, so do you want to put some colour underneath here? You know, you've got quite a few greys there, blah, blah. And I was like, what? What what do you mean? I've got a few greys. And I just hadn't really even noticed. Being fair, I'd agree with you there. It's a much, much easier process and probably far less noticeable, obviously, than if you were having your hair tinted darker. You know, I've got girlfriends Mm. who, who every three weeks, would have their regrowth done because they were quite quite visibly grey and just not ready to not ready to deal with it. I think I definitely had a change of of mindset in my early 40s. I thought, yeah, I can go grey, that's no big deal, but there was a very very real difference in um in attitude a, a gray 40 year old versus a gray 50 year old. Um that was something that I did feel quite mm. confronted with so I kind of held off a little bit longer and kept go- kept yeah. going with the blonde the blonde highlights but I'm um I'm letting it go now Kerry and I'm <laughs> and I'm loving it it's it's my grayish grayish goodness gracious doll <laughs> <laughs> but of course it's not just about going gray as we age is it also too because our facial shapes are changing as we age, yes. as we know that our we're losing the elasticity, especially around the neckline, the jowls. Jowls, isn't that a bloody awful word? Jowls. jowls. Oh, it jowls. sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> but especially around the jawline, the neck, the cheekbones, we get hollower, things sink in, so things start to change. So we need to start then re-evaluating, rethinking about our hairstyle as well. And that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean, especially for you, all your all your lovely long-haired lassies, that it doesn't mean you have to chop it off. But a lot of the times it kind of, it, it's worth a, a visit to thinking along those lines. Not all the way off, yes. just maybe a little bit. Maybe to this, I don't know, it all depends, of course, on some yes. women are absolutely married to their hair and that's absolutely fine. Um, but it's rethinking that yes. style and having a good hairdresser, of course, is absolute key. But also we... Uh, we get stuck in our routine. We'll chat about that with comes in our upcoming episode about makeup. We get we get stuck in a way, and the same with hair. We get stuck. Well, you get used you get used to looking a certain way, and and I guess for for a lot of women, and and, and particularly women who have got really busy busy jobs, busy lifestyles, perhaps you know with family and that kind of thing as well. It's just easier to stick to the same thing, isn't it? Mm. To your point about, um, you know, having having a chop perhaps as you get older, I am kind of stuck in the 
in the two extremes, I think women with older women with really, really, really long hair has always been considered a little bit, oh, you've let yourself go, or perhaps you're a little bit bohemian or a little bit witchy poo or whatever, you know, like that long, long versus the, oh, I've hit that magical age and I'm going to crop it all off because it's easy and it's wash and wear, wash and go. <laughs> and I'm kind of stuck in the middle of that. I don't, I don't want that. And, and getting on that, I can't imagine you with short hair, actually, Kate. I cannot. Isn't that funny? No, cannot. We I'm... might have to find some photos from the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. But you know what's what's interesting? That I recall when I was um, when I was hairdressing, which was sort of you know a long time ago because I've been out styling uh, for many many years now. But I remember looking after women a little bit older and they're wanting to have change. I'm sure it's probably changed now. I'm really hoping it is. But so many times out here, I'd love to cut my hair off, but my husband will divorce me. Oh. And I remember thinking at the time, yes. going, oh, love, is he married to your hair or to you? In a, you know, in a 20-year-old yep. sassy kind of way. When I see having having short hair right through um, my teens and my early twenties, I, I had the the Demi more brushed forward, full fringe, but cropped around the back. Oh, that was the um, ghost, ghost era. The ghost, <laughs> yes, the ghost, ghost hairdo. Era, yes. But but then growing my hair and it, it made a huge difference about how I felt about myself. I was very headstrong in my teens and it was all about creating my own style. And I I, I think back then I, I thought I knew who I was and, you know, I was a bit edgy and I was a bit out there. I found that growing my hair longer, though, that I definitely felt more feminine. But once again, that comes back to the point that we're talking about the social expectation and society's mm-hmm. expectation mm. on, you know, feminine women versus if you've got shorter hair, what does that say about you? Um, from an ageing point of view, mm. yeah, why do they cut granny's hair so short? Is it just to make it easier? Mm. Yeah, but we know it's wonderful. We are seeing a change in Let's talk about people in the women in the public eye, like with celebrities. Yes. So, for example, Andy McDowell, you know, when she oh. coming out of coming out of COVID, and so many women have come out of COVID. It's not just women, of course, so many people, whoever colours their yes. hair have come out of COVID with having to embrace their natural hair colour because they couldn't get it done. And I've seen so so many people, not just celebrities, have embraced that and grown it and taken it going, Oh, well, now's the time to grow my colour out. Sarah Jessica Parker, so, great. Oh. Beautiful, long, fabulous hair with the with the the greys coming through, and what an ins- what an inspiration to go. You know, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, look at Helen Mirren. Oh, we I brought it up before. She's so fabulous, like how she looks. Anyway, we have got lots to talk about with Matt about what it looks like in salon, what products we can use, lots of tips and tricks because he's the expert. So, shall we get onto it? Sounds great. So, Kate, I'm so excited for you to meet this darling mate of mine. We go back some years. We were baby hairdressers together back in Brisbane. Matt Clements is a legend, four times Australian Colorist of the Year. He's worked on international stages with his techniques as an educator and has a fabulous salon on the Sunshine Coast. So let's bring him in. 
Hello, Matt. Hi, Kerry. How are you? Thanks hey, for Matt. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sound pretty awesome because you are. I think we go back. I think I was 17 when we met, didn't we? Oh, <laughs> I think so, doll. But, you know, when did you get into colouring? I mean, because obviously you were styling at the very beginning. I was there. I saw you. But what drew you to colour? I don't know. It was just more visual for me. I mean, I've always done men's. I like classic men's, but... I don't know. It's that difference between, you know, I mean, I, I love photography and imagery and, you know, of course, black and white imagery is incredibly strong, but it's one of those things once you add colour, you know, same as watching a movie, once you add colour, all of a sudden it kind of takes on a new life as well. Brings more um, senses into it, and, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think, interestingly, you know, at school I was I was never interested in science and things like that, yet I, I kind of excelled in the this science of hair and colour and the potions and I actually still like the fact that I get to mix this goop up and can transform someone yeah. quite dramatically, you know, within an hour or so or two hours. Um, but that's that's really what drew me to that. And at the time, particularly where, where, you know, Kerry and I were working, there wasn't really, certainly not in Brisbane, and, and to be honest, probably only three or four throughout the country, there was no colourists back then, um, you know, unless you worked for Sassoon's in London or that kind of thing. So there was, there was another fellow colourist, Michelle Musgrave, that I worked with, and we kind of started, I guess, the colour department and you know we also had to prove to all the stylists that what we could do would be more exciting and um, you know take it further than they could in in their own times and we were taking a bit of business away from them essentially so we had to really step on it and become great yes. you know, that, that was our motivator. Matt I love that you mentioned Sassoon I uh, we when when Kerry and I started our initial chat we talked about our, our backgrounds and where we kind of started in our creative fields and and uh, I hair modeled for Edward Beale and he brought out the Sassoon team from the UK yeah, and uh, wow. and to this day the color that I actually had for that particular hair show will always stand out in my mind it was a really novel technique and I terrible I can't remember the hairstylist's name but he was one of the directors he colored my hair in foil sections directly from the tubes and yeah. he like would dot 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 dash do a zigzag fold that up in the foil and do the next one so my hair when it was all washed through and what have you it actually looked like autumn leaves and on every different yeah. angle as the hair moved at different lights Very cool. it just came to life it was the most incredible color i think i have ever ever had and that was that was so unique oh look they they were and still are you know yeah. leaders really you know when i started my career you know it's coming up 35 years now and when I started, I, I think by the end of my first year, I watched a Sassoon VHS at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, there was a bit of a goal that if they ever came out here or, or you know, opened up here, then I, you know, I wanted to run their Australasian arm or something. Yes. And I remember the guy, Simon Ellis, who was the um, voiceover during that education video. And he was the creative director of Sassoon's for many years, I think about 25, 27 years. Um, and subsequently, I then went on to work for him. So I've, you know, travelled the world with him and Brilliant. done some amazing work. And all the people that I have worked with in the last, you know, twenty years internationally have all been ex-Sassoon people. Wow. So I kind of, ha- you know, I feel like I, I still made it on that level, I guess. But um, yeah, innovators, you yes, know, absolute innovators, very cool. So you've been in the biz for thirty-five years. What has been the biggest change that you've seen with regards to, say, products or formulations with regards to colour specifically? Uh, look, you know, in terms of changes in products, that's largely governed by so many things uh, society related. You know, in the 80s, 
you know, even if it's about styling products. I mean, people just wanted their hair to, you know, stay hard and stay up and stay all day. And, and, and so products felt like that. You know, mousses were dry and full of alcohol and, you know, lacquers and all that kind of stuff. And colour was, you know, of course, uh, with technology, we get great, great new things in terms of um, colour products these days anyway and colour delivery or pigment delivery. But, um, you know, through the 80s, it was like just, you know, bleach it up, throw, throw the colour on. Um, even in a controlled way. And then all of a sudden, the 90s, people started to look at, um, you know, wanting to, you know, feel softer hair. And, you know, Redken had a big science part of their product. And um, we went down that road. And then I think just, you know, people, you know, everyone has that kind of lifestyle of health and sustainability. And, you know, even if it's just putting something in your trolley, you know, um, so we're, we're all a bit more conscious. So of course, that generally equates to how people want to feel their hair. You look at most of the styling products these days, and they're soft, and they're moisturizing, the words are different, you know, it's a foam, not a mousse, it's an oil, you know, it's, um, I think, in terms of how that relates to color is we've got to then um, predict through fashion and also the fashion of how people want their hair to feel and how they're going in terms of their lifestyles. We have to colour to suit that. So there's no use having someone's hair feel dry just to get a result. You know, everyone wants wants the result. They want to still be blonde, but they still want it to look soft and luxurious and, you know, looks like there's low maintenance and, you know, everything's still got to look healthy, even if it's just been bleached. And, you know, I think most people too, you know, there's big increase in terms of people's take-home products and the regi regime that they would use at home. You know, they, I think most people are a bit more savvy in terms of what they need to do for themselves. So we're, we're just a part of that. And I think the way we colour hair and our choice of products and techniques really come down to affecting the amount of maintenance that, um, you know, a client or a guest wants to delve into. This kind of leads us into, because as you know, our podcast is being timeless. We're talking about ageing positively. So what type of techniques works best for someone who wants to embrace their greys? Yeah, I mean, I guess our job is so much about the individual, of course. And, you know, in, in our salon, I mean, we, you know, we embrace the grey. I love it. I mean, as a colourist, if I think someone's hair is not going to be better through colouring, I, I would much rather still see them embrace it. And, you know, we have strong shapes and, you know, I mean, if we talk about, you know, if we, if we have a, a base age of starting, you know, that 50-year-old woman is now, you know, we can, uh, we can use the word sexy and, and maybe... 20 years ago, a 50-year-old woman wouldn't wouldn't use sexy. So, you know, I think the, the strongest, best, most interesting work we do on a daily basis would be on all my clients 50 and over. So, you know, in terms of, um, you know, embracing grey, you know, even down to, which I, I kind of use this analogy with a lot of my clients, you know, even if they've just got a spot around their temples or, you know, last, you know, 20, 50 cent piece piece, I'll keep that out. And it's a bit of that, you know, kind of sexy Cruella sort of thing going yes. on. And that's a really nice to introduce people to actually liking their grey. And it also means that because they've already got that over a period of time, you'll have that big panel. Once they start getting regrowth from their colour, all of a sudden it's already meeting with the white hair that they've got in that strip. So, you know, maybe they don't go any longer between colours, but they feel better about... About what's happening naturally. Regrowth that's happening, yeah. yeah. So, Matt, why does our hair go grey as we age? Well, look, melanin is uh, what causes our or, or governs our skin and hair colour, and, and that decreases, and when that stops... Um, that's ultimately why we get grey hair. Although, of course, there's people where it's genetic and there's other other things where, you know, maybe serious illness or diet, stress, medication, all of those things, those factors can impa impact on that as well. But, you know, for most people, it's it's simply just the loss of melanin. Brassiness, the grey and brassiness. We like to see, you know, lo lovely, shiny, reflectively grey. So what's, what's the best kind of treatment that we can do to, to achieve that? 
Oh, look, again, it comes down to the type of grey that you already have, you know, whether it's silvery or it's that slate colour, also just the amount of it that you have, you know, the ratio, you know, when people talk of, oh, I've got scooped salt and pepper, then often they've only got 20 to 30% grey. So that will look different, like all hair colour does, whatever it's next to. So if it's next to darker hair, then it might might appear whiter or lighter at least. And I and I guess what, what your natural colour was previously, whether you're blonde naturally or you're brunette, yeah. it's going to look very different Absolutely. too, isn't it? And often if you, often, not not all cases, but often if you were naturally darker when you were younger, you'll often have a whiter. You know, we see those old Italian right. men with like stark white hair and they generally had black hair when they were younger. I mean, why that yes. is, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. Maybe a trichologist could tell you that. But usually the ratio of that will determine how well your grey sits and how well it kind of grows out. And sometimes um, I would say the majority of people, it generally starts around the recession area, you know, up through the sides and often on your front hairline. But uh, of course it can be at the back. It can it can kind of start anywhere. So, you know, when we get brassiness or when we see brassiness or yellowing, that again can be from many things. It can be from build-up of product. It can be uh, hard water. Um, oh, look, if someone's a smoker, if there's any of those left out there these days. Um, things wow. like that. But, you know, again, um, illness, um, medication, all those things. I mean, our, our hair in a way, I guess, is a bit of a dumping ground. You know, rather than, yes. uh, you know, it's it's no different than when you're feeling run down and your skin's dry, your nails are brittle. Well, you know, often you'll find the same in hair. You know, I think they can still detect even, even an aspirin after about six weeks. So mm-hmm. you can imagine everything else that we put into our bodies. So it all just comes out in the follicles. Yeah. And so what at-home mm. products would you recommend then to those that want to you know, brighten their greys up? Yeah, look, silver, violet shampoos, um, most product companies would have a variation of that. Sometimes they're in a conditioner, sometimes it's in a treatment. I have maybe three or four different products through Shoe and Kerastase that we offer at the salon um, that we even use ourselves. But I think the best advice I can give in terms of using those would be add a little bit to the prescribed shampoo that you have, um, you know, a 20 cent piece worth of your normal shampoo that you, you would use based on the condition and colour of your hair, and then just add maybe a five cent piece of that to it. And just do that each time rather than once a week, just do a straight silver or violet shampoo because the porosity and condition of your hair that it's in it currently or old colour, you know, often does the opposite that people want over time where your hair ends up just dulling, you know, and I can definitely see people that are just using a purple shampoo too often and it almost looks a bit kind of powdery and and matte looking, you know, like a lilac kind of finish. Yes, and it... I've found that those violet shampoos can can dull the bits of natural hair colour and and make the whole lot look sort of flat and dark too sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think when those products were first really um, gaining prominence in um, with blondes especially, but blonde or grey hair, silver hair, I think that was sold in where it was just like, oh, if you see yellow and you use this, all of a sudden it gets rid of it. Um, or if I do it more, mm. it does more of that. But actually your hair still has to be of a certain lightness for it to do anything. If your hair is actually goldy orange or quite lemony or, you know, really brassy, it's actually not going to cut too much of that at all. It will subdue it, but it's not going to suddenly turn yellow hair clean blonde either. You know, you've got to be mm. realistic. Um, people that come in with naturally white hair, whether it's all over or in, in sections, that shampoo I would leave on for, you know, kind of the duration of your shower. You know, it will literally look purple while it's on and when you rinse it out, it just has a brightness to it. Mm. It's beautiful. Girlfriends of mine um, have spoken about their hair starting to to thin. Now, I experienced that during um, pregnancy and once I'd had my children, you know, losing copious amounts of hair yeah. in the shower, which was a bit bit stressful at the time. But um, 
hair thinning for women is that something during the during the aging process does menopause accelerate that is there what sort of contributing factors and and I think that's something that not a lot of w- women are quite ashamed about you know men go bald it's a thing uh, but for women it's uh, it's not something that's talked about a lot no and you know it, it, again you know it's great to see men taking more more care with hair and using products and things in the last 10 years than they probably ever have but yeah. um, in terms of women you know i guess you're wearing your crown aren't you you know it says so much about yes. your personality and um, you know who you want to be how you present yourself to the world and and certainly thinning hair um, and that can happen whether your hair's fine or you know medium or you know kind of thick textured, you know. Um, so it's got nothing to do with the density, but often fine hair will then appear even fluffier as you start to lose that. And often it will happen around the front hairline first, but it, it can, you know, you, you, it can be a sign of serious illness. You know, there's lots of things. It, it's very mm. hard to say there's one contributing mm. factor, but, you know, again, genetic certainly does slow down. You start to lose a little bit of hair or volume at least um, and density as as we get to kind of 50 and above. I'm just about to turn 50, so I don't have to worry about losing any more hair. But... <laughs> Um, <laughs> certainly, certainly for women, you know, it's, it's quite a conscious thing. And, you know, f- thankfully these days there are so many volumizing products, whether it be in the styling or there's volume shampooings and kind of plumping products. Yes. So even if you've got fair, fine hair um, and not a lot of it, or, you know, even if you have a lot, but it's so soft and fluffy, then you can actually kind of make it look like you've got a fuller head of hair just through those products. And, and look again, m- most of the, the top, four or five performers um, hair product companies would all have a, a product that could face that. Within our salon, we use um, Kerastase. And there's a, yeah. a, a range in that called Chronologist, which is fantastic for ageing hair. You know, whether it's fine or um, it doesn't always mean that you, you're naturally going to go coarser as you, you get older. But again, once you start but some to... some greys do, don't they? Absolutely. Go very coarse yeah. and wiry. Very and... coarse and wiry. And again, yeah. um, there's a few theories on that. But once once the keratin is starting to lose its protein, then that simply becomes harder, you know. Yeah. Hair, hair and skin and nails are, are all the same thing, just like water, steam and ice are the same thing but just in a different form. So yeah. when we get to hair, you know, being a soft keratin, you know, and the way we manipulate that and just wear and tear and all of those things, when people stand in front of me and they're like, oh, you know, why is my hair in this condition? And it can be literally a handful of reasons and it's often all of those things contributing. So what you do with it, what you put on it, what you're not already doing, you know, the products that you're using, heat, stress, damage, sun, you know, mm. I swim every day or, you know, in Queensland we also deal with different things than, than say, you would in, in Victoria, even in terms of people's lifestyle. I mean, and I'm at the beach, my salon's 100 metres from the beach, so people are out in it every day. And yeah. um, Or if you're gymming a lot, you know, you, you will generally feel like you want to shampoo your hair more, which can often cause even more dryness of either scalp or hair. Um, so, you know, thinning or density issues, there's enough products around these days, whether it be in styling or in care, that will take care of those things. So the key words that people have to look for when they want to purchase products, we've cited for a lot of people that it's a minefield, you know, if they're not getting the right recommendations from in salon, but if they walk into a retail space or, of course, buying online, there's so much available to them and can be overwhelming and confusing. So what are the key words? You know, you said, you know, volumising. Are they kind of the things that you want to look for on, on the branding of it? The uh, keywords to take a hairdresser would be your main concerns, you know, like literally just jot down them because there might be 10, but just prioritise them. Is it volume? You know, do I want to 
to make my hair feel like I've got more of it or is it flat? And again, you know, the, the styling that you have in the first place or the colouring that you have can also help those things. You know, I mean, once you have colour, you generally you've changed the texture straight away. Um, often people with fine hair will highlight their hair for that very reason. It makes it feel like they've got more of it. Makes it feel thicker. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mm. You know, when you... You know, if, you, if, if your hair thickness was, say, like your little finger, once you've lightened it, all of a sudden it's like your thumb. So they all mm. kind of just puff up. But, again, there's products for that too. There's volumising products, restorative. You know, you want, you want um, instead of moisture, I guess moisture is a bit of an 80s, 90s word, but whereas now we're just talking hydration. Yeah. You know, the hair industry in the last five or ten years, I, I believe, has borrowed so much from the beauty industry in terms of the language that we use. And I actually think that that makes it easier because... Um, mm. No matter what your regime at home with your hair is, often you've probably still got a drawer full of cosmetics and moisturisers and creams and potions and stuff. So I think sometimes if you think about what that does for your skin, you can apply a lot of the, that, that sort of logic to what your hair needs. It's just got to match what you're doing in salon. You know, if you want your hair mm. to feel soft and you want it to feel luxurious, but you're also having, you know, a full head of foils every five or six weeks and heat styling and ironing your hair every day. I think sometimes you have to be also realistic to what to expect out of that. But again, a, a, you know, a great hairdresser should be able to guide you very well on that. Um, but, you know, strengthening is what you want for fine hair or weakened hair. You want um, restorative products if you're aging and you just want to feel like it's lug more luxurious, even if you're not colouring your hair. Using a mask, using hydration masks. That's fairly fairly new, a, a specific mask for your hair, not just yeah. your face or what have you. I, re, I remember in my teens uh, with lots and lots of home hair colouring and <laughs> wrapping my head up in Glad Wrap and getting a girlfriend to just pour a bottle of olive oil. That's it. On my That's head. it. <laughs> and, look, there's lots of things on the market that will make your hair feel nice, but it actually doesn't mean that it's doing anything Does it do anything? Mm. And, yeah. Um, look, there's even... You know, without naming brands, there's certainly cheap supermarket products that can make your hair feel nice or it has a nice smell or whatever. But, you know, often they're not doing anything positive for your hair whatsoever. Um, you know, I have, I have clients present to me sometimes and they use avocado, they squash avocado through it. Or, you know, I think if you live up in the hills and you don't colour your hair and you get it cut twice a, twice a year, put olive oil in it or coconut oil, it's fine. But, you know, it's not, it's not actually doing anything to the... To yeah. the you know, quality of your hair once it's grown out of the follicle, you know, often you just end up with oily hair that you can't do anything with. Avocado, oh. that's a first. I'm not... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, egg white, all sorts of stuff. I've, I've, heard, I've heard them all. <laughs> Matt, I'm so glad you uh, have told us all that you are encouraging your older clients to embrace their greys. That's mm. uh, something that Kerry and I speak a lot about. I am doing that at the moment and going through that transition. Kerry, on the other hand, is taking a slightly different road. <laughs> Kerry's never had natural <laughs> which hair. Which I love. Which I love. I am quite grey underneath all this and now very pink, a natural shade of pink. That's it. I mean, I, I think grey hair or, you know, it's silver hair. I, I think that's quite sexy. And I actually mm. like it when, when it's happening um, on a younger age than you, you assume it should happen to. I actually... You know, I, I think it's quite cool if you're in your 30s and you've got some grey. Um, the whole point we colour hair is to, um, you know, enhance your skin colour and your eye colour and, you know, highlight a part of a haircut or, your, you know, your cheekbones, facial features. All There's so many reasons we colour hair. And ultimately, even if it's just maintenance of covering or blending grey hair, the bottom line, grey hair has got to be shiny hair. And even for my clients that don't colour any, any longer, 
I, I can still tone that for them and I can still um, put, you know, the odd low light or a panel of something, you know, like I can put a really nice soft kind of lavender piece in in underneath like a grey, white, silver bulb or... Gorgeous. You know, like there's still That's so beautiful. many things that you can do. Like, you know, I've got this one lady who would be, she would be early 70s, used to own an art gallery, very cool, Sassoon's classic French yeah. bulb totally white hair and yet underneath she has, you know, a, a large black panel and on the other side it's like a, a slate going into this quite silver toner that I do. And it, so I've probably only coloured maybe 15% of, of the, the available hair that's she's sitting there with. But it's yeah. that less is more. You know, if she still feels Love like it. she's quite cool and funky and you know, there's certainly nothing ageing about it. But all, all those pieces I've done have highlight the white hair. You know, I actually think yeah. that that stands out more because of the colour that I do rather mm. than you looking at the colour that I've done. If that makes sense, I might. Yeah. I might have to have a trip to uh, the Sunshine yeah, Coast. Yeah, thank you, too, mate. <laughs> get away, get your hair done. Oh, how that sounds amazing! Yeah. Um, are you seeing? Um, you know, this. You're saying that most of your clients are over fifty. You're seeing a change in attitude over all these years that you've been in salon. Like, you know, the the fifty year old woman now, how different she is to the say a fifty year old you know, 30 years ago. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, like we touched on before, you know, the availability of clothes and fashion and, you know, ultimately it's, you know, it's important to note that, you know, hair is an accessory to fashion and, and you know, there is a handful of hairdressers that think it's the other way around, but, you know, fashion is happening whether we like it or not. And as that happens, we're really there to educate our clients on how to look and style and feel great with those coming trends. And, you know, my, my clientele is so varied in age, but I think if you look at, you know, the professional woman or someone that's even in a, a bracket where um, she wants to spend, you know, time and money on her hair and I think that 50-year-old that these days is more social too. You know, she's not just yeah. playing bowls or bridge or uh, I'm just a nana or, you know, you can be all of those mm. things and you can still go out with your girlfriends and have a few wines and, you know, feel fun and you know, sexy and all of those things. And and again, a, a lot of my more mature clients, I, I guess I joke with them that way, you know, and um, they might not necessarily attribute the word sexy to them, but when you break down how they want to feel, it's absolutely still that, you know, they still want to yeah. feel, mm. uh, you know, um, new and fresh and cool and, you know, whether you've got $5 or, or a million dollars, yeah, you want to feel relevant and you still want to, mm. same as fashion, you know, maybe you're not wearing... Um, you know, Gucci, but you are still taking cues from what's happening in that season at the time, you know, whether it's colour blocking or... So the same thing happens with hair colour. It's exactly the same. And to me, that's what's exciting. And I, I love making someone who feels old or is dreading the thought of, oh, I'm getting older and I don't want to be that because in my head I'm not. I, I enjoy actually making them look and feel the way that they didn't think they could. Wow, that's you know? brilliant. Um, or that it's not available to them anymore because they generally just get the nana haircut or a bit of a perm or, I don't know, I, I don't know, there's life experience and, I don't know, I think also, you know, my own generation um, and, and the one above me, but that 50 to 65-year-old woman, if I think back to when they were maybe uh, starting to have their children, often they were almost forced out of the workforce or, you know, they, they just took on a different role as a mum. Whereas if you're a mum now, you can still work and you can... It's really changing. You know, you can have a, a, a whole full life and... Mm. Um, it's not over. Yeah, it's not over. <laughs> it's oh. not over, is it, Kerry? And, and it's almost no. like you're giving permission to them 
you know? Yeah. Um, because they, they often dread going to a, to a salon and, and some will say that even coming to us because they're like, oh, you know, we've heard about you guys for a long time but I didn't think I was cool enough or... or but they don't even like looking at themselves in the mirror. No, that's it. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you, you start kind of going, well, we don't base any of this on a number, you know. I just want you to yeah. look and feel great whether you're 18 or 58 is irrelevant really. Or, or they dread that cliched kind of, oh, I don't want to be mutton dressed up as lamb. Um, yes. You know, that kind of thing. And, and it, mm. I, I don't know where they come from. I think that comes from the generation that was above them, you know, maybe their mm. mothers. But once 100%. you allow them to, to feel and look amazing, honestly, within two or three visits, their language is different, what they're wearing, their social circle seems to be a bit different. They're doing more. You know, they're not just like, oh, you know, I'm just doing this today. They're, they're planning things, they're going on holidays. Oh, how um, rewarding for you yeah, to see cool. your clients have that transition. That's awesome. It's very cool. Hairdressers are wizards. Couldn't live without them. <laughs> As everyone discovered during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gosh, we missed you. We missed you. <laughs> well, Matt, well, I think we all need to migrate to Muchidor and uh, get into yeah. a new hair. And That's it. <laughs> come and, and see your beautiful wife and team. Um, thank you so much for having chats with us today. We could talk for hours and hours because you are so knowledgeable and it's been an absolute joy seeing you. Thank you. Kate, how heaven is Matt? Oh, my goodness. Don't you just want to bottle him up and make sure he looks after everyone? <laughs> now, we are all about getting experts on our Timeless podcast. Who have we got popping in next week? Next episode, we are going to be talking with industry award-winning makeup artist Amanda Ramsey. Amanda specialises in over 40s makeup. So for the tips and the tricks, I'm assuming we'll be talking about concerns that her clients have about the way their skin looks as they age. I can't wait. We'll be talking our language, Kate, all things makeup. Can't wait for that one. See you next week, doll. Yay! This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders, both past, present and emerging.